Hello, and welcome to the So Emotional Podcast. Here on the cast, we discuss everything emotions through the lens of attachment, the nervous system, and internal parts work. We're a little irreverent and like to have fun exploring the emotional issues and dynamics that interest us. So come along and hang out. Let's explore the fascinating lands of emotions. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the So Emotional Podcast. I'm Angela Wetzel, uh, epic initiator, coaching, if you know me, um, life and relationship coach. Also your host here, Nick Carl, experienced somatic experiencer. And we're here to clear up the stigma and enigma around all things emotional. Everything. And um, every everything. We'll cover everything. And today... Uh, we've decided to talk about fear because it's such a huge topic. Um, and also, if we're not very aware of fear, because I think fear can be very sneaky, um, fear ends up running the show and we end up staying small and hiding and not really having anything we want because we're just like, nope, uh, I didn't want to do it but you might not know that it was fear, that little voice that was telling you not to move, not to do, not to reach out, not to do like whatever. You may not have recognized that as fear and you might've thought that was your intuition or something like keeping you safe. But what it's really good at doing is keeping you uh, celibate and alone and (laughs) bored and not living like the life of your dreams. Was that to me? Do I have something in my teeth? No, I was noticing my teeth. Oh, okay. Fear about having yellow teeth. Yeah, fear about people saying your teeth. And it reminded me I have a dentist appointment tomorrow. Uh, Oh, this is a prime topic. (laughs) Right. So it's like fear. Like, why do people have fears? Like, of course, there's uh, intrinsic, like human fears, like the fear of falling, the fear of loud noises, Mm -hmm. like the fear of uh, something eating you, the fear of mm-hmm. death, the fear of dismemberment. Right. Um, and like we talked about with Kim on last week, no, the week before, Kim the mm-hmm. sale, uh, the fear of vomiting, which apparently is like the top third fear. And you looked up the list. Like there's a lot of common fears like claustrophobia, which is like fear of being in enclosed spaces, which I think that almost every fear is like, this happens and then you die. It's almost like any movie you watch where it's like a war movie or they're in space or they're drilling to the center of the earth. It's pretty much like they get stuck in this, you know, enclosed space and then they die. Right. You know, like submarine movie. I pretty much know not to watch any of those movies because the plot is they all get stuck here and they're helpless and they can't get out. And then they all die or most of them die. Right. And it's depressing. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so there's very like innate human fears uh, that we all have. And some are very obvious to us, right? Like if you hear a loud noise and, you know, something like, you know, loud and you're like, oh shit. Right. And your heart's racing. You're like, oh my God, it scared me so much. So you're like aware of that. Um, incidentally, where I live, like, Uh, because of my own background, like I am, I do get very triggered by loud noises. Um, So I have neighbors on this side that play loud music 
and that can be dysregulating for me because mm -hmm. I was not allowed to play like super loud music at home, especially if my dad was around. Um, so any like loud noises of any kind can be very triggering and cause fear in my body because of some of the responses that he had to loud noises, which I don't know where all that came from. But I do also know on this side, I have a neighbor who literally sounds like, at least I think it's her. I don't know who it is, but it just sounds like a Jurassic Park happening next to me uh, when I'm laying there, you know, and if I, if I had like the glass of water, you'd see like the ripples or, or when the girl's like, she's in that little cafeteria and the jello's going. So I'm like in bed, like, uh, and I have to like, yeah. So I literally have to, like I noticed a change in my physiological state. I noticed that I'm triggered. I noticed my heart uh, speeding up. I noticed like just some of those feelings and I have to self-soothe because this is my, this is how my nervous system has been uh, acquainted around noises. And so I think if we are going to decide that we wanna thrive, and decide that we want exciting, fun lives and that we actually want to have what we desire, that we get well acquainted with our fears and we learn to snuggle up to them and get very familiar because these are going to be the things inside of you, like the, the things that all your parts and personalities are afraid of, but also the things you're going to have to confront if you hope to uh, move through and be on the other side of that because pretty much you know the saying everything you want is on the other side of your fears and like why is that saying here like are people just assholes and they they want you to like jump off cliffs and like do shit that scares you it's like no no, no. um and I guess I was trying to think about this earlier and like how to explain it but usually what happens like when we have wounding around something uh, that's where like we have a lot of desires that are created in that space of suffering, right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we could pick any fear, but let's say, for example, um, what's going to happen is when you have like a, a traumatic situation, let's say, uh, we'll use like swimming. Let's say you had, when you were younger, you almost drowned in a pool, but you were rescued from that, like you were saved from that. And since that moment, your nervous system will tell you, like, stay away from water. Don't even drink it. Dangerous, right? Okay, probably not the drinking thing, but don't go swimming. Like, don't fuck around in puddles. Like, it's not cute. Don't go to the beach. Like, you will probably avoid water because at that time, you had no mastery over swimming. Um, maybe you did mostly drown and were brought back to life, but you will remember those moments of panic and terror and your feeling of helplessness and powerlessness. So your nervous system will say, this is not a good uh, scenario for us. So I'm going to bring up, I'm going to remind you of what happened before. And this is where we're going to be focusing. So you stay away from it. Danger, danger. Will Robinson, do not go near the water. Now, usually um, there's, there's things that happen in the space of that trauma where, and, and I'm not saying it's always like this. I'm not saying that you have a fear of, of water and drowning and you aspire to be like a surfer. Maybe not, but maybe it is causing um, 
you to close down and be contracted in an area of your life where you actually want to have a feeling of freedom and, and expansion. So as long as we allow our fears to continue to prophesize the future and tell us like what's going to happen, then we remain in this like holding pattern where we're always fearing the same thing happening over and over again. And that's how I think we end up in like a groundhog's day. Um, like a feeling of stuckness is usually because there's some fears that are running the show. Um, and I just said something and I, I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna like talk about that. Um, so I'll probably have to circle back to it. Um, but basically like we get stuck in this holding pattern. Um, yeah. And it's like again and again and again. And so we, we are actually, we end up powerless to our fears if we let them completely run the show. Mm -hmm. But if on the other hand, you're like, fuck these fears, I'm going to run, I'm going to, I'm going to run straight into, I'm going to face my fears. Right. And if you don't do any kind of risk assessments, if you don't like question at all, and you just try to jump back in that pool, and you haven't had any swimming lessons, like you haven't really reassessed the situation, you haven't thought about any of your strengths, and you're just like, I'm just going to face my fear, right? That's also pretty dumb, right? So I think it's learning how to respect your fears, like take into account what what is what's the real risk here, right? And oftentimes when it's like public speaking, there's certain fears, but you kind of know you're going to survive. But depending on what that fear is and, and what's coming up for you, you have to respect the fear because it may be giving you important information, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it is giving you important information. It is saying that something happened here before. It wasn't safe. We felt complete terror. We felt powerless. It almost ended us or we think it almost ended us and we weren't able to make sense of it. So there's there's something here, right? And we're trying to stay safe around it. So it's like, what are... What needs do you have that are coming up around this thing? And also, do you have to remain stuck there? Or do you have to remain captivated by this fear? Is it telling you a complete truth or is there some aspect of illusion there right. that, right, that you really need to understand the fear in order to know how to approach it and navigate it appropriately so that you are neither stuck and you are neither like jackass, like running and jumping off the cliffs and being like, well, I had a fear of heights. So the only way to do this is for me to fling myself into the abyss, right. you know? Um, I, so think I think there's I, a I th kind medium. Yeah. For your nervous well, system. I think uh, another relationship like that is saying that like, I don't want to be with, like my mother, so I, I have a fear of being like her. So I'm going to go so fast and far the other way to try to prove something, right? And so that you, so this is why digging into fear, which I think is a big topic, and it manifests in a lot of different places, right? Your relationship to fear in a lot of different ways uh, is myriad, really, when it comes down to it. I think that, yeah, yeah I think that. Uh, you like, I think it, taking a cursory glance, you could just go, you know, like we talked about this 20% of people sort of like thinking about their own projections or their own relationship with fear and about the different dynamics of fear. You know, if you just ask regular Joe on the street, I don't know how far that goes be because it is so subtle and because it can be very sneaky, you know? Yeah. But yeah. It and there's back to the first off the biological imperative of what fear is, right? Mm -hmm. Fear is keeping us alive 
essentially. That's at the base. Yeah, point important. Death, okay? Yes, and important. then that goes into a bigger question of like, why do we fear death? You know, <laughs> but anyway, let's just take for granted that we don't want to die. We have a biological imperative not to die, right? And probably a psychological and emotional imperative not to die. So it's a big deal, right? That's a big deal. Right. Well, fear is like fear of the unknown, meaning I'm afraid of an experience that I don't have because then my my ego or my my fleshy self, my nervous system is always trying to predict like survival, like optimal happiness, like optimal goodness and and feeling safe and calm. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's always going to like try to avoid any logistical nightmares and the unknown is a, a place of pure potentiality and many logistical nightmares so the ego is right. like oh hell no right. like right. i don't know what's in the dark no 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 so the other giant tricky part is is that we now like as adults we'll say have a lot and i mean like a whole nervous system worth of assumptions about what those fears are, right? Some of them are known, like, you know, goddamn T-Rex coming, it's easy, like, it seems easy, right? It's like, yeah, that big thing, if it gets here, I die, you know, it's like a really simple equation, right? Uh, yeah. But I think that there is a whole other sort of, like, hidden thing that the fear can also preclude your cognition or your feeling of a thing. It's like so spicy and so. Yes. Uh, I was right. like, what are you saying? And then I'm like, yes. Um, so that, uh, and so what, what I think about that is just like that you can be steered by fear and not necessarily even know it, which gets into the idea of the unconscious aspects of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like. Yeah. I, I was just also thinking about how many like kinds of medication there are for like anxiety now. Right. Because. It's human, fear, like, right? like a future fear or really just an experience of like fight flight in your body, mm. but not, but that could be coming from a, a fear that you're not able to identify. Right? Mm -hmm. right. Like I feel fear, but I don't know where it's coming from, which right. can be feeling like you're held hostage by your nervous system when it may be interpreting so many different signals, like our bodies are very sensitive and and always um, interpreting the energy that is coming at us. So you just might need to delete some emails. Like right now I have 42,000 and that's a low number. I like to subscribe. <laughs> I'm a big fan of subscribing to like email lists and I need to go yeah. and, and you know, now like with the like political scene, I just feel like they try to add you. And I'm like, where did this person come from? Like suddenly I'm on their list, but it could be some feeling of like all of this energy like coming at you and, and not feeling like you know how to process or or feeling overwhelmed you know and and i do think that our current culture is so fast-paced that we don't right. really even have time to feel into what these messages are and right. so it's almost like this pervasive feeling of like gloom and doom but not knowing what it is like what yeah. what are these feelings i don't know let me take some xanax or let me just get some sleeping pills and just, just try to one feel bottle better of wine tonight you know just one bottle one just one blunt one brownie 
gummy. With gummy. Well, I meant, I didn't mean CBD. I just meant a brownie because, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know if people get afraid and then like eat food. I don't know if that's like a very sure. common thing. Yeah. I like, mean, oh, I'm so afraid. I want some brownies. I think it's usually like I feel sad and I want some brownies. Or Well, I think that you can have like anxiety eating, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like anxious kind of uh, right, snacking sort of. Yeah. yeah. I think. I guess. Yeah. Well, I think that like eating is to, you know, regulate your nervous system is a big go to. Right. It is a, a form of soothing because you're likely massaging all this with the food, too. And then. Right, and then you have um, all the kind of the relaxing feelings after you eat. Well, the, uh, and if you're eating, you're likely not being chased by a bear. So maybe your right. nervous system is like, I can rule this out that we're not being okay. chased by yeah. a bear. Or uh, We can divert some of this anxiousness to digest this food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and but it's interesting because I think there's so many um, strategies now that people have come up with to really avoid feeling because when we don't understand how to interpret our, our emotions that we can easily feel victimized by our emotions when we're like, I don't know how to interpret these signals. All I know is I feel bad and I right. don't know what, I don't know what to do. I don't know yeah, where to don't go. don't know where it came from. Don't know what to do with it. It's just here. It's like, that's, I guess why you go to a doctor, right? Cause nobody else gave you any solutions or any kind of resources. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Which I, I think is why we have a lot of, uh, like, we have the opioid crisis. We have um, a lot of, like, addictions, different forms of addictions, like workaholic, um, sexual addictions. I mean, so many things to keep us ahead of our feeling. And I think fear is really one of the, um, the most intense um, lower vibrational emotions that we can fear. It's literally like a threat. It's an existential threat to our, our very being existential. Like, um, so it would make sense that if we were receiving those messages, but we couldn't detect like what it is, or we don't know how to interpret those things. It would make sense that you would just want to feel better or just feel calm. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, now my brain is just thinking about like how we cannot pause our own evolution or expansion and that the messages coming up are trying to actually like keep you safe and alert you to the fact that the world is expanding and changing and you are expanding and changing and you can either hide your head in the sand or you can try to wake up and and take the messages and say i'm gonna i'm gonna learn like what to do i'm gonna feel the feelings and then learn what to do with them because um, we've said this before, but like two things we really need, we need to, to be able to discern our emotions and have like no judgment around them and, and able to interpret their messages and know what we desire without shame and without, um, I guess, clinging too tightly or, mm-hmm. or feeling like we can't have what we want, which is maybe another discussion, maybe this discussion. Maybe. Um, I like to... The message or the idea of, or, or just to communicate that, that there is, that, that there are solutions, you know, that there are resources, there are answers to fear, right? And a lot of those come through, you know, maybe our own relationship with ourself or our relationships with fear and, and being able to contextualize it yeah. and understand that you, they can be 
<laughs> like that fear represents like uh i guess like a pushing or a pulling force but it also is is begging a question which can be answered right it's like a call for something also right so it, mm -hmm. it includes its own it includes the blueprint for its own healing or whatever the opposite yes. of fear is what is the yes. opposite of fear peace love uh, love right love peace something in there but there's the, the there's the opposite for that like uh so it's like in starting to um i think a really uh easy go-to for fear is to avoid it right it's just like to yeah. get it out of here right essentially which right. is that's, that's one stance one energetic stance you know it's just like you know fears here how do we get rid of it right well, it's like, yeah. Well, it's like first of all, we that's we have to come at it from a different angle, right? We have to have different energy. We have to have like creativity with this, and like obviously not. Uh, I think about this as like internal, the internal uh, kind of fear, not like you know, car barreling down a hill at you. It's like yeah, do whatever you can to get the fuck out of there, you know. Yeah, I think in that case, um, then you, your instincts can take over and it's just fine because your nervous system is going to have its own calculated uh, decision on like what the best response is, whether that's fight, flight, freeze, fawn, whatever that is, it's going to be like, this is, this is our best like survival tactic. So this is what we're going to do. And you really don't have to think about it. But in, in this age, there's just so many different fears that are not actually so tied to like survival in some ways or or they are but but it's not always like um so imminent i guess is mm -hmm. the difference it's not like imminent like it's not imminent death or imminent demise it's like a slow descent into hell and right. and suffering and i really liked what you said about the relationship to fear because i think it's hugely important that we really change how we look at it and we do like soften our approach um, that we that we um, recognize that we're feeling the fear inside of our bodies but it's not necessarily bigger than we are and it doesn't have to rule us and it doesn't have to like keep us prisoner like we can literally decide um, and I actually I was thinking about this topic because I um, started reading uh, Gene Keys, which I introduced to you and and everyone else that I've spoken to since pretty Who much. Who wrote that? Uh, Richard Rudd. I have the okay. book here. But um, so I've, I've always had uh, like kind of an interesting relationship to fear. Like I've, I've always been like a cliff jumper type of person. Like when I was two, I like jumped off a high dive and like did a belly flop into a pool and my parents oh, like saw me on the way up and usually my parents were always seeing me in various states of like about to do the thing that they didn't want me to do because they didn't know I was already doing it pretty right. much or um climbing up like a like a 50 foot uh tree swing and like swinging down <laughs> um they <laughs> they would uh you know joining the military they you know, I, I've given them probably many sleepless nights by wondering what Angela's doing or what Angela's up to. Um, 
and even like those kind of things, like I, I feel like there was almost a sense of like fearlessness or my inability to actually like feel, um, I want to say feel the fear, but almost like maybe, um, I don't want to say it was like irreverent, but it was kind of like, I didn't think about it, you know? I wasn't like I was feeling the fear and sure I have a certain amount of like bravery or courage and that's like one thing that I noticed and then another thing that I've noticed more recently is that there's certain types of fears for me that are more difficult like they're just more challenging like they're they're deeper they're more deeply seated um and and being an adult you know there's like money fears there's um like fears of being seen you know visibility there's like all these different fears um and and even with like the current climate of disease and whatever else is going on um i think it's very easy easy for us as human beings to allow fear to program us Mm. into like a holding pattern um And so what I try to do is feel into that place of like inspiration and what my next expansion is, like what my next move is, Mm -hmm. because usually it feels exciting, but it also feels like, oh shit, like, oh fuck. (laughs) But like, it's like good, but it's also like, what am I doing? And I think in being able to move toward the, towards those fears and actually test those parts of me that literally think that if I follow through on this thing, I will not survive like this month. Like literally it has no vision of the future whatsoever. It's like, just so you know, like after like this date, we don't know what's going to happen. You're probably going to die. Like something awful is going to happen. Like we just don't know. And it's been interesting to survive again and again for these parts to go, oh, like I thought that was the end and I couldn't imagine life after this. Like I I just couldn't envision a future of this thing possibly working out. Mm -hmm. And here we are and it's like happening somehow and I I just don't know how it's been possible. Um, But it really does feel like facing your, like for me, it's felt like facing my demise or also just um, doing something really stupid almost feels like doing something stupid like like did I just do something really stupid but then it's like what's happening in my brain is that I have the part of me that's connected to the vision Hmm. and then I have all my my younger wounded parts that have a limited perspective that literally don't know what's going on and so I have a mixture of inspiration of like higher self stuff, like capital S self stuff. That's like, yes, this is the right path. Like moving towards your fears, like overcoming this and these parts that are literally like popping up here and there. And then I'm like, why do I feel so crazy? So it's almost like a place of feeling really crazy because you're leaving, like you're leaving a sense of what your present reality has been, especially if you've allowed yourself to be conditioned by those fears, there's, definitely like certain rules or certain limiting beliefs that you are living by and your behaviors are falling in line with what those beliefs are. 
So when you start to take new actions, there's a bit of like groundlessness or a bit of like, Mm. am I crazy? Are you crazy? Like, am I, Mm. you know, like what's happening? Why would you ever do that? (laughs) Why would you ever do that? Like, you know, um, something I like to do with my clients is to test their nervous system to see what's safe for them in terms of um, how close it's safe for a person to get to them or how far. Mm-hmm. And there's like different scenarios. So if someone tells me like, oh, I really want a relationship, but they don't have a relationship and they've been single for a while, then I start to get curious and I'm like, why don't you want a relationship? And then we start to find out that historically relationships have not been safe or there's many fears mm-hmm. correlated with relationship where yeah, absolutely I will fall in love and I will lose Someone will get too close. They'll disrespect my boundaries. I'll be violated in this way. I won't have a voice. I'll lose who I am. I'll lose my sense of self. I will disappear, right? There's just so many relational fears where, or I'll become dependent or I'll really love them and then I'll lose, which I feel like I've probably said, but there's just, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot there. So it makes me think about the attachment styles, the basic attachment styles, right? And then yeah. what some of those, you know, kind of like 101 fears that belong to those. So, <laughs> which I think it's really fascinating, uh, that fear of like disappearing, because that's one I've experienced. Uh, yeah. Not disappearing, it's like being smothered, okay? And so... This goes back yeah. to you know a story I can tell, which is part of my own uh, habituation into being alive, into what the universe actually offers, right? And then into how, into the things that I should be afraid of, right? And one of the... the I don't think I understood what you just said. <laughs> okay. Growing up, I... Mm-hmm. You're taught what to be afraid of right oh yes yes and then you become afraid of some things that um like you can become afraid especially relationally i think of uh situations that you were put in right yeah so um and i know it's this is so tough because it I think it happens at such an, a young age that I maybe don't necessarily have the words for it, but in sort of backwards engineering and feeling into and then seeing all the examples about how my relational beginning plays out later on, I can sort of fill out the story and, mm. and tell the story. And so one of my deep fears is about being smothered, right, or disappearing, really having like my autonomy uh not respected you know so these are these are some weird lines where it's like uh somebody else's you know so this has been uh, this is like a i think a mother fear it was like my mother's will was the 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 writ of the castle right and then mm-hmm. i was not considered at all and over and over and over that uh i felt like that like my desire or my need to be met or be taken taken into consideration is Mm -hmm. doesn't happen and it it rules my life which is like a very young at the time right and 
you know, so that it just becomes, I guess, an unconscious fear. And, then, you know, it wasn't, it was like, you know, 30, 40 years later, I'm in a relationship. And then when it comes time to move into somebody's house, it's just, there's something, a lot, there, there was a fear about there's not enough space for me, which is this like replaying of this fear, like this habitual mm -hmm. thing. Now we're, we're redoing the thing because it's not, because it's not known and it's just like stayed in my being like when it's time for the reflection of the real life here in the present at the time uh, mm -hmm. that this fear comes up and it's just like I can't move in here there's no space for me right because I couldn't imagine myself being seen being respected being actually a part instead of just like furniture I felt like I'm furniture. Once I move in, I just become your furniture, essentially, you know. And then the me that I know is completely lost, which is kind of a death, right? Yeah, it's a death. Right. So if we were to do an attachment quiz, and what deep fear would you say that's correlated with? What style? Well, I think that is a probably an avoidance, right? Okay, well, yeah. it, it can tie into some other stuff for disorganized a couple different directions, but it's an avoidance, right? Mm -hmm. My deep fear and in a sense that also came for me is that like that I've had is that people are not safe. I don't get considered. I don't get my needs met when I get close to people because people will not take care of me because they never have before. Mm -hmm. It took me a long time to come into relationship with my own fears to be able to say that and to and to know that right yeah uh, if you would have talked to me 10 years ago and like had this kind of conversation it'd just be like you know charlie brown's mom like whop, 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 whop. like it's hard to without really a lot of information is like a world building thing because the the dynamics and how slippery and how really a big topic fear is and how our emotions are you know this is a whole sort of like hidden realm that's r really like rule-based and works like in really like uh, logical ways but our society in general you know like my upbringing there wasn't a lot of like inbaked knowledge around how this stuff worked at all right. and not only that that the so in that uh, ignorance or dimness was a lot of practiced um, non-consideration, non-attunement, non-attachment, non-love, which is, you know, breeding grounds for, for fear, deep fear. And at those types of ages, that's when that, type, that, that's when that gets established. That's when these deep stories about, like, I feel like it's a deep story to say people aren't safe. <laughs> Right, like. Well, yeah, I mean, what you're speaking about there is like, when we come into this world, children need an adult nervous system to regulate, to show them how, it's reg how to regulate, to model that. But then what happens when we have unconscious parents or we have those around us who are dysregulated and, and do not, don't even know how to co-regulate or self-regulate, then it's like, where are you going to learn what emotions are or, or how to even like navigate your fear or your, your needs or your wants or like anything, like how do you like. And when I, th when I, when you say that, I think at the base, it's like to show you that 
the world that you live in is a safe place. Right. Yeah. But if they don't have that to give to you, then, then it's just... what they're showing you is that the world is not a safe place. Right. They're showing you like, yeah. Right. You know, like you're here because I don't know. Because <laughs> I wanted kids. Because <laughs> thought that's what I was supposed to do. And also sex was nice. And <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, life goes on, right? Just because you don't have an understanding of something, you know? Yeah, uh, it's and... like you, you're in survival and you're taught survival, but not thriving. Right. And, and, and just, so, yeah. I, I, I just think it's important not to bring judgment into the places where there's the lack of light or lack of understanding, you know? People only yeah. got what they got, right? Yeah. Which is the, you know, the same type of spirit that you should bring, you know, try to bring to your own fear, right? Right. Yeah. That, that it's I'm, like an ignorance of something or just a, a lack of a lack of something. True. True. Because as we've discussed before, like awakening truly is a mysterious thing, like how it happens, how we have awareness over certain pain points, like how much pain we need to experience, how many rock bottoms, like how many... Uh, you know, things we need to be scraped against or pushed up against or to be like, oh, hell, like, what is this? Right. Um, and truly, it's like if you consider all of the different like all of the decades and how we progress, like as a human race. Things our parents didn't really have access to Instagram, YouTube, like there's so much consciousness and information just being shared um, now. And like therapy is so much more common um, coaching is a huge exploding, um, thing, you know, it, it's just a different world. And so whatever consciousness like brought us in and, and of course we, we are allowed to have our feelings about that, about missing out or not having that safe environment or feeling loved or connected or that we understand what thriving is. It, it, that's a journey in and of itself to make sense of that and to like heal that relationship where you're able to come to a place of forgiveness because all of that trauma happens, you know, in the dark, like in the shadows, in the mm. unconscious places and creates and breeds more unconsciousness. Um, but then eventually if you allow it can actually breed huge awakening and huge consciousness and awareness. So, um, you know, what are some of the base fears for the anxious person yeah. in a relationship? Um, I mean, I'll go through all of them. Okay. So for our anxious types, um, fear of abandonment is the biggest one because their main challenge is not really knowing how to self-regulate. Mm. And so their way of regulating is to try to reach out to another human and to feel safe that way because they don't necessarily know how to connect to their own center, soothe their own nervous system, make sense of their jumbled thoughts. Like when their system is dysregulated, the way that they come back to center is to go, oh good, another person I can like reach out and grab on. Now I'm safe. I've got this person, right? Which is, if you look at, if you look at it, it's like you can see the very small child there mm. that is looking for mom or dad. Oh, mom's here, dad's here, I'm okay, right? Um, for avoidance stuff, it is the fear of enmeshment, which is, um, you know, ego death, it's loss of self. 
Um, and it can also be like fear of overwhelm and failure, but to some degree, it's like all those fears like lead to some form of death. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So the avoidant thing is usually like someone has gotten too close and in that space of closeness has harmed you due to their, um, ignorance of your existing boundaries, needs, wants, values can come from a place of neglect. Um, very painful and, and a lack of ability to feel safe around other people because you're kind of aware that they may push past your boundaries, that you won't be considered, that you won't have a voice or that they're going to heap their emotions onto you. And you're going to be like, I'm so overwhelmed. So we get a lot of um, avoidance stuff from like parentified children, but then it gets a little more complex than that because then we have disorganized attachment. And I did a post on this recently because there's like subtle things here. Right. The, those are like the two main fears is abandonment and enmeshment. So it's kind of like death due to being alone and helpless death due and uh, enmeshment death due to ego death, like there is no separation, you're, you don't exist, right? Um, the disorganized types have both fears because their nervous system was like kind of set up. There was no um, organized strategy. Like, so the strategy of pursuit didn't necessarily work all the time. The strategy of pushing away, running away didn't work all the time. So their nervous system, their attachment style is very much like a moving target because the environment they were in, likely because of like the law of polarity, when you have one parent that's presenting more as anxious, the other one will be presenting more as avoidant. So when you see both of those styles, you're embodying both styles, right? Um, because wounded... Um, wounded energy will also attract other wounded energy. And then, so we have like some recurring things like playing out. So disorganized will have both fears. And then if you want to add like another layer onto that would be the fearful avoidant, which actually is disorganized. And some, uh, some psychologists will make this distinction that there's an element of fear in the attachment. Now we could argue that there's already fear in the attachment when it comes to the anxious and avoidant, they have fear of abandonment or enmeshment, right? But what I, the distinction I like to make is that it's usually a more imminent fear of death um, or like of the unknown. So basically being physically harmed in some way mm. um, by a caretaker. Right. So, and, and that can come from uh, a lot of different, like physical, sexual transgressions. Um, also psychological intimidation, like seeing someone else get beaten right. by that parent, even if it's not you can be extremely challenging, right. um, and a huge form of abuse as well as that parent breaking things and, you know, um, exhibiting that kind of show of force and anger because it's unpredictability to your nervous system. It's like one moment they're breaking this lamp, the next minute it could be you, right? So it's just this like complete lack of control and imminent existential fear of harm, dismemberment, death, um, serious right. stuff, right? Serious shit. Serious shit. And it's, I mean, it's all pretty serious, you know? Sure. And you know, I'm like thinking back to like the Gene Keys and um, one of those 
Keys talks about like taking shit like too seriously, which is why <laughs> we want to <laughs> try to inject some like levity when we're looking at these things too and be like, yeah, it's normal. Like shit's hard, shit's scary. And, um, and it's also okay. You're, you're, you've got to, you know, in terms of like organizations or clubs, you know, this would be a, a ginormous organization of disorganized people on the planet. Do you think that, uh, do you think, to what extent do you think does having a, we'll say, uh, insecure attachment uh, mm. lead to, um, unconsciousness around the fears like hmm. i don't know this is kind of a weird thing to ask but like uh like i was no. ish i was always aware ish of my emotions as i went through all my dysfunctional relationships you know hmm. like you know about the, that idea of not moving into that house i knew that i was afraid of not moving to that house i just didn't know exactly why right and so like i could always feel the fears and i think everybody can feel the the fears or whatever, you know, they know that fear's mm. there, but it's more of like the why or the thing that it's connected to. That's more, I think, is the tricky part. Um, yeah. Your question actually makes a lot of sense because for someone that has more of a secure attachment, they are going to have more of a regulated nervous system more of the time. They're sure. going to feel safe and regulated in relationship and they're going to feel mm -hmm. safe and regulated on their own because they have a, the ability and flexibility of their nervous system to manage distant space, time, all those things. Right. So they're going to have much more awareness yeah. as to what's going on. Now, if you have a person and they're like, try, they have an insecure attachment style. So there's always some kind of imminent threat of being abandoned or being enmeshed. So they're always like, ah, so everything's scary everything so they're in a constant state of dysregulation which is why you see like a preponderance of like autoimmune disease and like lupus and all these like unexplainable illnesses because when you have a body that's in constant fight flight trying to navigate safety at all times you burn huge amount of resources and if you're not able to support the needs of that body and give it constant fuel and constant minerals and vitamins and the resources to keep burning so hot and so fast, when your foot is on the brake, uh, your foot is on the gas and you're going 100 miles an hour your whole life because you can't find safety anywhere, you're gonna have problems, not just in relationships, but uh, with- in your, in your whole uh, your, being. Well, it's the, it's, it's the whole, how heavy, how heavy is the glass of water thing, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It gets heavier as you continue right. to and so hold it. Think about out. your nervous system. It's like, you know, I think about, you know, when you look at like animals out on the plains or whatever in the herds, the wildebeest or whatever, mm -hmm. when they are just grazing, yeah, they're tranquil, they're relaxed. Like think about horses just hanging out yeah. there, like, you know, that, you know, and they're like a really good reflection of nature. They just have like a really calm nature. When it's called for though, their nervous system ramps up and then they run like their life depends on it because it does, right? It does, yes. We have the wonderful ability to kind of get stuck right in the fucking middle of that. Yeah. So here we are in some sort of low grade, like waiting for the shoe to drop or waiting for the thing to happen, mm -hmm. which can become 
that's where you know the idea of like your nerve tone like really starts to suffer because if yeah. you're holding that glass imagine like, like and like when was that glass put in your hand probably when you were like young right and maybe if not young like maybe that was like small amounts of water put in it all through your childhood you know but then you're sitting there holding that into your 20s you know 10 years go by into your 30s you know like i had yeah. like this armchair idea that it was like in your mid 30s when your strategy for holding all that water holding all that nervous system uh you know information and you know that structure begins mm -hmm. to fail like you're you're just because you know through your 20s you just have a bunch of raw fucking energy and you're a new body essentially right but as you begin to kind of like mature and age a little bit the strategies and your body start to not be able to do that anymore because of what they're doing yeah, I mean, I would just say if you have an insecure attachment style, which includes anything that is not dominantly secure, then, you know, good luck telling it different telling the difference between your ass and a hole in the ground. Especially, you know? especially <laughs> if you're, say, like going through some shit, which means that you say you're triggered, right? That's when I that's when I could like, you know, my, I feel like my mind works pretty good. But when I was going through shit, things became very black and white. <laughs> Which yeah. is a hallmark of like, you know, that, that you have, uh, you know, uh, attachment trauma, really. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can experience shit in your life, you know, having very little attachment trauma because, you know, it's like the nature of life for, for there it to be, um, you know, somewhat connected to survival period, right? And so there's, there's like all kinds of fears. I, I, I don't know if there's any person on the planet that's like, oh, I'm not afraid of anything, right? Like that would be. Uh, I watched a video earlier. <laughs> it was a little four part thing. It was about psychopathy. She had like a 3000 IQ, but she had almost no empathy. And she was in therapy now. It was a really cool story, but Interesting. <laughs> she had almost no fear. Right. So that's interesting, right? When you get, you get a, a person in the mix of all these other people right. that has little to no fear. And then it's like, you look at their life and how has that served her or not served her? Right. You know, right. Cause, because it's kind of like we have pain receptors, we have emotions for a reason because they're messengers and something, um, I've heard Abraham Hicks talk about that I really like is like having your hand on the stove. Like you're not going to shame yourself for feeling that pain, but you, you want to know that there's pain there so that you're protecting yourself so that, you know, you, mm -hmm. you're not burning and hurting yourself. So you want the pain. It's just when we get into these places of judging the pain or resisting it that we actually get into suffering because then we get into kind of an adversarial relationship or maybe a victim relationship like with our emotions or with our fear and that's where we get stuck we're like i should not be feeling this thing or i should not be here doing this and then we're all twisted up right it feels like a weird abstraction it's like you have this one thing and then you have a judgment about it which is like different dimensional like i can't it gets a little confusing, you know? Well, and, but that happens generally because as children, when you have those emotions come up, then you have a parent that will have a reaction to your emotion. 
and depending on how aware they are or not, like they're just gonna project onto you or punish you for having those emotions. And then shame is shaping your ability to feel your own emotions without judgment, because then you're always going to be trying to fit into some kind of acceptable right. box. Instead like, of just yeah. reacting and being with whatever comes up, you know, right? Right. So then it's like, how can I, how can I deal with these emotions so that I am pleased, I'm pleasing or that you'll right. keep me around or, yeah. or whatever that is. Right. Yeah. Um, so Oof. it becomes a, very tricky situation instead of a just kind of natural back and forth where everybody's right. like you know everybody you know like welcoming of all the parts you know yeah like right. yeah it's okay to feel this way like it's okay to have anger and express it and like this is how you do it and mm -hmm. you know i'm gonna be with you while you feel this and um, let's, let's talk about it. Let's try to understand what's happening. And then I'm going to be here the whole time. Just loving on you. Love you. Mm -hmm. You're amazing. You're like, what? Huh? I'm amazing. Cause I feel because I'm being like, you know, a lot of us haven't had that experience of being lovable just because we are just because we're alive and just because we're feeling, you know, mm -hmm. um, I know we were going to talk about, um, like fear and like approaching or we were going to tie oh, this yeah. into oh, like yeah. a little bit of dating because we did like right. the relationship stuff. So what do you think happens? So let's say somebody, a guy, let's imagine, let's imagine a character, a guy who is unsuccessful in dating and he sees a really attractive girl and goes up there, walks up and says like, hello, ma'am. Like what, what's on the line? Like what's, what is to be lost? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Like what yeah. is the fear? What's the fear and approach? Yeah, that's interesting. So it's funny. It's like the more value, perceived value something has, then the more your nervous system is going to go, oh, this is important. This is really important. And and now there's a power differential. So, so there's power. Okay. Okay. Right? So super attractive person, mm -hmm. high mating potential, high potential for sexy times, good things, whatever. Oh, oh so attractive. Ah, right. Okay. So like now person is up here, right? More special, more whatever than you. And maybe you're not sure where you fit, but you hope, you so hope, this right? The, this is the antithesis of the pedestal, right? Putting, putting her on the pedestal. It's kind of like, well, it is the pedestal, but it's almost like, in doing that, if you put someone on a pedestal, what does that mean? Where are you in relation to that person? Right. If you're you put on someone the on a pedestal, right. you're not okay. on the same level. So you're and not so, in the same place. Uh, so you come in. It seems really natural, though, to first be like, to have all those desires. Number one, that seems natural, right? Yeah. Yeah. We desire what's pretty, confident, sexy, what appears to be flourishing and thriving oozing okay. sexual so hormones here i am and i'm like okay i have all these desires and then i i guess i kind of quick do that calculation that's in my de like desire calculator and then i am i already behind the eight ball because of the powers wrong now um i well here's the thing is it, there's likely some innate stuff happening like uh your pheromones indicating that this is an ideal match and in that case, there might be some implication of like scarcity. 
like you've got one shot and if you don't get this shot with her then you might not be able to procreate and you know extend the scarcity. species or scarcity. whatever you said scarcity, right right it did yeah okay right all right so um scarcity i feel is kind of like an attitude okay ish maybe can you go with that well i i guess i would say that there are certain um there are certain like biological like realities that the the nervous system is kind of like assuming so it would be like maximizing resources or moments and energy at any given time for like okay. maximum result maximum outcome okay so it's like i think that humans have certain biological drives that are like you got to do this thing and you got to do it now because this is your only shot maybe because you might die or get eaten by a tiger or something so then there's some sort of natural innate unconscious drives like driving the species like driving the human body does that make sense sure okay so there's, there's like life cycles crop yeah. cycles like i mean i get the biological imperative right and the biological yeah. drive that puts you in that place okay mm -hmm. so then we talked about i know well we started off with a, with a mention of fear and you talked mm -hmm. about scarcity okay mm -hmm. scarcity reminded me of an attitude like it, what you're bringing yeah. to the situation, right? So I just think about like uh, a moment that, where you bring uh, b between two people. It's like it's like two creative poles, right? And in the in the initial scenario of being scared or something, there was sort of something that happened that changed the power dynamic so that you know the woman in this case goes up in, right. in the power dynamic, which. Which then I think throws everything off because then if like power and then you're powerless, it becomes a strange like victim thing, you know? I think about the internal things that could happen to something like that. It's like, oh, she could turn me down. Oh, I could be, you know, maybe it's like an approve that I'm not worth it, right? It's going to let mm -hmm. me know because she's up there and then it's not going to go well. Imagine not going to go well. That yeah. It's going to be a referendum back down to what my actual value is because now we're in this weird power up and down because it's another dimensionality to what's happening. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of layers and levels yeah. to this, but right. we will try to get into, I, I will try to, you know, just see what comes up in my brain, but something else is there, there is sort of like a reality to this like scarcity because we're like in a specific space time reality. Where we have yeah. like a certain amount of time to like reproduce and also like i said like perhaps the the human body are like trying to maximize this moment like make the most of this moment right okay. and with this person as being like individual unique in their own right um there's like a certain type of energy and like the combination especially if there's attraction usually for things that are like very important to you for whatever reason like um there's there's always some kind of um polarity like going on in attraction so mm. it's like noticing okay why is this person kind of lighting up all my boxes like why is like ooh shiny like why is that attraction there so then if we look at the origin of where desires come from it usually comes from a void or a place of unwanted 
like had these experiences, didn't like it, not good, want something else or. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Want something else. So mm-hmm. I don't like this. Now I'm clear. I don't want that. Right. So I want this. So I want this, right? Now or... I want this. Or you had a very nice, juicy, wonderful experience. And you're like, Ooh, I like that more. more. Right. Right. And like potentially in there, maybe this is like gray area, but I feel like more in the unwanted category, but let's say a pining or desire for something that is incomplete. So it's like an open tab of like, I want this thing and I've always, I've wanted it for so long and now, so, and now, so we're like kind of thinking about like value, uh, demand, supply, scarcity. There's like all these little different kind of things popping up. And then of course you have your own like attachment stuff that comes up your own individual fears, like what your worst fears are, um, what this person represents to you, like what that situation represents to you. So let's say, I feel like I got to get married because I need to do this, this, and this and have the babies do things. And usually men aren't as driven that way, but they can be. So it could mean that everything is riding on this person or this thing because you finally found someone and they, they check all your boxes and like, it's the bright time and she's here and she's hot and you've spoken to her and now it's great. And so her value is going up and up and up and up as is like the the overall risk of losing it or fucking up this great situation you have going Mm. because suddenly it's like everything's riding on this working out, which can indicate that you are at a disadvantage in that moment because there's so much like pressure and so much uh, charge here around this specific thing, person working out that if you do not win or succeed here, everything that was riding on this means you lose, you fail, you suck. And also all your attachment fears and all of your innate human fears. So and your biological drives. So you failed and you suck, right? Yeah. You're going to crash down into the center of hell. Right. And so it's like, there's a lot going on that can set you up to be in like a one up one down position when it comes to attraction. right? Right. If you are going at it, like kind of in an unconscious way, and you can even be conscious of these things and it can still be a challenge because you're, you have so many different fears likely that you're addressing or so many hopes or desires or just things going on at once, not to mention like boners or just, you know, like how, what is she going to think at the, you know, me too age, am I going to come across as harassing? You know, there's right. just so many different fears, yeah. like all packaged into like this one thing. Right. And so, um, approaching, somebody that you're interested, like even as a, like as a man, like that approach, it takes a lot of courage because you are literally stepping into the unknown and you don't know what's going to happen. And you're literally kind of offering your vulnerability up on a plate and being like, do what you will, (laughs) you know, the, uh, the amazing thing that I think, and I've, you know, I've listened to a a fair amount of dating coaches and they talk, (laughs) and this is wild. Uh, the way for men to learn uh, mm. 
that the space of approach and all of the things that you just described and how that can essentially go completely and terribly wrong and how it can it can exist in this giant sandcastle in the sky, you know, yeah. the way that you cure that is just by doing it a lot. Yeah, it's and then exposure when you get, therapy. Right. And then when you get good at it, that's actually when you can begin to start to share some of your own authenticity. When you're not in a one up or one down and like right. you're not building this giant sandcastle when you see somebody and you can like, you can just respond to attraction, you know, you can just respond to what's there, you know, and uh, I don't know if yeah. it was Neil, I forget, no, not, not Neil Strauss, Mark Marin, not Mark Marin, Mark Manson. Oh yeah, Mark yeah. Manson, yes, um, yes. Reading some of those, uh, some of his dating books, which I thought were pretty decent and not super cringy you know uh just the uh just the different the different avenues that you actually get get access to about how you can stay in the moment uh and really relax you know and then you get to yeah. share more of yourself uh actually get comfortable like talking with people mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like all those expectations and fears around that really preclude uh, yes. people from sharing themselves you know and uh, and enjoying in the dance of life you know it's like it's fun and it's it's fun to talk to people it's fun to be attracted to people you know it's fun to yes. light up and be yourself and do the thing and uh that this is one of those spaces just approach think about that which seems like a real simple thing like have a feeling of excitement go toward that thing Watch what happens. Right. Well, your life can well, in front of your eyes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll relay it to you in this way. So there's a story. Um, I wrote a blog on this a long time ago. But it was like human fear of stranger, like stranger danger is, is such a big thing, right? And okay. and if you, yeah. if you watch the news too much, you're being fed a steady diet of everything that could possibly go wrong. Like, it's all going look, on. right. It's like, look at all of the woes that have befallen these unsuspecting fools. Like, right. so sad, right? And not just, I mean, I'm legitimately like, like, if you don't want to be them, like, listen up and try to figure it out. But it's like, you can't because it's also a logistical nightmare of these random things happening, right? So, um, anyway, I went on a tangent that I didn't mean <laughs> to go down. Um, but, but essentially, if you're in a space where you find that you have to protect your ego, pr like protect against all these fears, then you're not going to be able to show up in a space of authenticity. You're going to have all of your personality, your parts, like all your stuff is going to be the thing that is, that is leading, that is approaching. Right. Um, oh, and this is the story that I was going to tell. So I, um, found myself in Astoria. This was years ago now. Okay. Uh, I had I had um, dinner plans to meet up, and this was like back when I first was learning like human design. And uh, I met these super cool people. Um, they had a machine called the I think it was called the Paradigm, but it was like a, a emotional or like chakra, like resonant kind of pyramid. I, was, I have some very interesting stories, but um, so I, I how did I meet them? Oh, I was working at Budokan as a bartender and there was a girl that I met and she was like kind of into Reiki and massage. And she's like, oh, meet these people. So I went, she invited me to go to this thing and I went and I met them and I started telling them about human design. 
and um, they were fascinated and they're super cool people. Um, and so I had plans to, to go to their place for dinner in Astoria and just hang out with them. And they were like, let's talk more about this, you know? And so I went out there um, and my phone dies and it's like February, it's cold in New York. My phone is now just like a cold brick in my hand and I don't have their address. I have no way of calling them. And I've made it like, I'm like on foot and I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. And I also am shit at navigating. Like just oh, directions God. are not my strong. I have many gifts. Directions aren't necessarily them. And so I'm like, I need to uh, charge my phone. So me, I'm literally wearing like a beaver hat. Like it's a hat that has eyes and buck teeth on it and little ears that I got from like Whole Foods. So I'm wearing a beaver hat with a big like fluffy coat and I'm, it's me. I don't think I'm scary. I'm, I'm like small woman, you know, whatever. I go up to doors to ask to charge my phone and you should have seen like the, the amount of fear and distrust and hostility that I invoked from I'm letting this goddamn beaver in here. Right. Just like they were like, somebody said, no, that's weird. And I'm like, what's weird? Like my fault, like what, what is, you know, like me asking to charge my phone. I had another woman phones that looked at me as though I had asked, like invited myself to come in and murder her and her entire family. I had another woman that looked at me like I had a dick growing out of my forehead. Like I just was like, I don't understand what's happening. And finally, I was like, trying not to feel a little overwhelmed or sad or like, eh. but I would have had to find my way back to the train. I would have figured it out, but I wanted my dinner plan. So there was a lady in her car and I said, I'm so sorry to bother you. I said, is there any chance I could charge my phone? And she let me sit in her car with her and I charged my phone and we talked. She was the only person that wasn't afraid of me that night and I had encountered, you know, like three or four different people knocking on doors and stuff. But it's like the amount of fear and distrust that exists in the world really keeps us from being able to connect. And of course there's like always a risk, right? There's always stranger danger. But if we're really like attuned and if if you're aware of, you know, we can actually be pretty good at um, reading people especially, but anyway, that's like a whole other topic. <laughs> but basically what I'm saying is, is even for me to approach people's doors to ask if I can just charge my phone, you know, was met with such, you know, and I, I, I guess I'm saying I empathize, not only empathize with men and um, their, um, the job of like that initiation approach. And I know it doesn't always have to fall on men, you know, women have masculine energy too, and can approach and, um, get things started as well. But, um, you know, I just want to like appreciate that, and applaud that courage. Right. Doesn't that fall into the purview of like masculine structure, you know, part of the structure would be like, this is the beginning. Hi. <laughs> what do you mean? What's that? What do you mean? The masculine, masculine structure. structure, you know, you know, so it's the masculine structure and the feminine energy, right? Mm -hmm. so oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like either the, 
yeah, the the masculine gender, like the container, right. which you can have like a man who has dominantly feminine energy, whether it's authentic or inauthentic, you sure. can have that. But yeah, like generally speaking, if you have a, a masculine energy being and that's how you lead, then you find yourself in that role of initiating action and, you know, inviting that that opening expansion, yeah. that opportunity and the same for women that are able to like be in alignment and feel into or use their masculine energy to approach. So it's still the masculine or alpha energy. Right. Um, yeah. But I think that it's a perfect example of, you know, the benefits of uh, beginning to understand the dynamics of fear, right. And about what directions yeah. those actually play into be, you know, because like, and I don't know what it, <laughs> I, for me, like I, I, you know, I have never approached hundreds of people. I still get like, there's still been times where I've been precluded from like, just really being in my nervous system and not being fearful, you know? And I think that it, it, it uh, for a lot of people that, that, uh, keeps them away from, uh, and being in themselves and enjoying life and enjoying certain aspects of life. And, it, and, and, and then think about it's not just it's not just that it's like that same dynamics and those same relationships and the same pitfalls that you can fall into happen in money happen yes. with your with your careers happen yes. you know i don't know and tough things that happen in families or just all over right so there's the, these these dynamics of fear that can really slow us down put put us in boxes and keep us in you know keep us activated and kind of, you know, locked yeah. up. Right. I mean, this topic's really so huge. There's yeah. so much to talk about here. Um, but yeah, you're right. And it's, uh, it is interesting because I, I think one of the most important, like the first things that we need to do is like actually just have awareness of those fears right. because we have no awareness over that, you know, um, Jung says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Yeah. So it's like fear can definitely direct oh, our absolutely. lives and we'll end up in a certain track where we're like, I'm unfulfilled. I'm not living the life I want. And yeah. it's like, you have to go out and like do have the adventures and travel and meet people in order right. to like have some kind of like juice or fun in your life. Right. And that quote, unconscious conscious, we'll call it fate. <laughs> living lives of quiet desperation thinking about you know this is the person i'm fated to be behind uh, a lot of of suffering i just know that that's out there that's out there there's a lot I, of it i think that it is part of our normal human experience to find ourselves in those unconscious holding patterns of quiet desperation because if we're not able to know how to interface with and navigate through the fear, and especially if you try to do it alone, yeah. it's like if you don't have a, a working knowledge of how your nervous system or how your emotions work or how your desires work, and if you don't have a sense of your own like inner authority or how you're meant to like follow your intuition, Right. You can get very lost and very mixed up. And then, of course, you can try to like 
make something happen and try to like leap in the direction of your fear only to um, know that you can't sustain that place. And then you can come up with like a new story or new narrative about like why this wasn't meant to be or why you shouldn't step out and do this, right? So you can really um, kind of mess yourself up if you are trying to move from a place of um, just moving to get something done as opposed to like, making sure you're in alignment. Cause if you're in alignment, you will have that sense of this feels expansive and juicy. And that's calling me. Like, I just really want to do it, but I'm also scared to do it. You'll usually have that combination of, I want to, I'm scared, but I can feel like both. If you're strictly terrified about something, I do think it's important to investigate that because if you have like a huge charge around something, it's kind of like indicating there's yeah. stuff there, right? Uh, yeah. Now, if you're right, if there's like such a huge thing, it's like there's lots to investigate and learn. Mm. Like there's lots of lessons there. But if there's something where you're just like, I just, I just don't have interest. Like I, I have no interest in. Um, I, I have very low to no interest in learning how to crochet. It's just not for. I just don't. But there's not charge there. I'm not. I'm not afraid of crocheting something badly or, sure, I mean, yeah. what, I mean, I don't know. Right. Like, yeah, <laughs> maybe, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm deluding myself, but as far as I know, I do not have, you know, there's like not a charge there, but when I think about things that I'm afraid of and things that I have, um, like left, you know, kind of, uh, leapt into what I've found is, what I've needed to do sometimes in order to get, pardon, in order to get better acquainted with my fear was to take a bold action, something that felt good and aligned that I knew I wanted, but also that I was very afraid that I like couldn't have or wouldn't, wouldn't mm. work out or whatever that is. Right. And lately that's like involved me hiring like higher level coaches um, cause when you get to a certain place, um, in personal development and, you know, as a coach, uh, coaching other like practitioners and therapists and like people that entrepreneurs, like people that have big purposes, it's like, I also need to continue to do my work and leveling up. And like that begins to be a huge investment, a huge financial investment. And then when you're an entrepreneur and you work for yourself, it's like, that brings up a whole slew of like, holy shit fears. And it like, so it'll bring up all your stuff and it will put your fears like right here in your face. So I would wake up in the morning and like sheer panic, sheer terror. And I had to practice just being there with all of those feelings and allowing them to, um, allowing them to express but also letting them know that even though they felt this way, it didn't mean that what they feared would necessarily come true. These parts of me that have a limited perspective of what life can be or what love can be or whatever. So what I do try to do as often as I can is to find that space where the thing feels expansive, but also pretty fucking scary because I know that I'm going to have an opportunity for expansion and evolution. I'm going to learn a lot of lessons. And as long as I'm 
noting like what some of the consequences might be doing some risk assessments, you know, you don't want to do something that's too far of a stretch because I do think at some point that can be very unkind to your nervous system because you, you, your fears literally will take over. And if you're not able to, (laughs) if you're not able to separate yourself, like your, Mm -hmm. your consciousness, if you're not able to invite that duality and witness the fear, you will think that the fear is real and that you are the fear and the fear is you. There would be no separation. And then you will create a self-fulfilling prophecy of that failure of bringing what you fear to pass because of that. Um, So you just got to try to be as kind as you can and just do your best to like make sure the stretch, it's not too crazy, but it's enough that it'll get you going and, you know, get you to to push yourself past your limits because we are meant to grow and expand. And I do think like one of the worst things is, is to um, have all these desires and like a life that you really want to create, like a direction that you want to go and literally know that you are doing nothing different day in and day out, like moving towards those goals. And I, I actually think that's probably one of the biggest causes of human suffering is just to feel stuck and like no momentum, I think is like, can be like a slow, quiet death. Well, it's, you know, it's a compromise at a really deep level instead of, you know, building things and engaging and figuring things out, you know, just to be doing the same thing over and over when you know what it actually mm-hmm. brings, you know, mm-hmm. that's unfortunately like un- unraveling or, you know, not generative. It's, it's not... It's not building, yeah. but it's yeah going down. And it's also been super important to for me to have really good health, like um, positive co-regulating experiences, like mm. having a coach, like knowing what my nervous system needs, um, not pushing too hard, too far, because we're not always going to be able to find our center in the middle of all that panic because your body is going to be telling you a story. It'll tell you again and again, this is wrong. This is like, Mm -hmm. we're going to, you know, we're going to die. And you literally have to like, look at that fear as if it's a small child and say, look, I know, I know, trust me. I know. I feel you. I feel Mm -hmm. how real this is because it's like an illusion because those parts aren't predicting the future, but it can feel like they are like, you can literally feel the terror and the panic in your body as if that fear is coming to pass in the present moment. And if you act from that place of fear, you are more likely to create the thing you don't want to create. And so what you have to do is find a way, like find um, what your anchors are in your life, like your ventral anchors, like things that are positive that help you to um, tap into that wider perspective, that higher perspective, but also that you get really good help because when you have someone who's walked the path before you and is brave and has like done big things, then you know that they're fully aware of like what the the journey um, like to move through the fear is like, they know what it's like. And so um, what can be a little bit trippy is when you bring your stuff to them, they'll be like, yeah, you're going to be fine. It's okay. But your parts will still be like, why aren't you reacting? This is, this is like life or death. This is crazy. Mm -hmm. And when you have someone 
in the field of wherever you're trying to expand, whatever that is, be it money, relationships, career, like whatever, they're likely going to be like, this is going to be okay. Like breathe, like let's take actions now in this moment that actually line up with the future that you want to create. So it, there is a delicate balance of like listening to the fear, but not believing the fear, like, like list, like listening to it and, and making a, a wise choice with, with uh, what parts to listen to and what parts need support and then how to continue to move forward so that you, you live the life you want to live that you get, you get out of this life, what you came for you, that you, you give what you came to give. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. It's important. Yeah, super important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anything else to say about it. I feel like we could probably talk about this topic well, for hours and hours yeah, and hours and hours. Like we talk about it for a long time and we just scratch the surface and I uh, think what we both, I don't know, you can, I don't know. The more I hang out in these different subjects, you know, the more that my brain starts to kind of ask questions and you start to get the feel for these kind of different rooms and these different relationships, you know? So I think it's just mm. like scratching the surface and, uh, that it really is I don't, I don't know to me it feels like a mystery and it feels like uh there's so much potential there you know and, and mm. so much uh to learn and to teach and to to let people know because um i don't know it just seems really important and really primary like the it's here and this is something that we should familiarize yeah. ourselves with so that we can yeah. just help you know help heal the goddamn planet right and well for the purpose of um like joy and fun so that we're right. not slogging through existence that right. we're able to like celebrate more of life and um i like what you said just like to have the awareness like i do think the more that we're aware of what our particular fears are like the patterns like what keeps coming up if we'll if we will become very familiar and have a very close relationship with our fears then we can start to learn how to respond to them instead of simply reacting to right. them yeah and we get to make new choices we get to do new things and then life is you see some like cooler shit yeah and then things start to change you're like oh life can change like oh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. And, uh, you know, we are going through a massive evolution at this time and there really are so many challenges, um, yeah. that we're facing in these moments where life is so much less certain than it's been right. in recent years. So just, just technology, like there's been a giant, like injection of technology into our planet and it's, everything is changing really fast, really fast. And so, um, I think it's just a, so I think it's a invitation for all of us to, you know, do the inside game, right? Cause that's how we're going to get our bearings in a world yes. that's changing so fast, right? It's to, yes. uh, familiarize ourselves with like our fountainhead of being, which is inside where our mm -hmm. consciousness meets the moments as they slide by us, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like what you just said there.
very poetic. Oh, thank you. But yeah, that's also a good point is don't just become acquainted with those fears, but yeah, get acquainted with like yourself, Being, the part of you. Existence. Yeah, uh, like your soul, the part that's like indestructible. Watching um, watching the things come and go, watching how your mind works, you know, watching the you know, as your emotions come up and and then and then you're like, oh, I'm going to die. This is going to be in and then it's like, you know, they slowly fade not. away, you know, and about how you talk to your friend and you light up, you know, and like you get a smile mm -hmm. on your face, you know, and about uh, just connection and, I don't know, energy. I think all of it's extremely fascinating and wonderful, too, if you can get out from being fucking taped, you know, welded to the goddamn wheel of sorrow, you know. <laughs> right. And it's like, it's okay to be there. And um, there's such a great quote that's coming up in my brain and I, I want to say it correctly, but it's um, Pema Chodron has this beautiful quote. It's like, um, only to the extent which you ex uh, expose yourself to annihilation, that which in uh, the, what's indestructible within you can be found, something right. like that. And it's yeah. such, it's like such a good quote where it's like, we must expose ourselves, like our ego, these personalities mm -hmm. to annihilation. Right. But it's like, can we do that with gentleness and compassion? Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like as much as we can, <laughs> it, right? It, like just to be like, I hear you, like I feel the fear. Right. And we're going to do it anyway, because like I care about how I feel, like I also care about the life that I'm living. And also like the people like whose lives I will touch. So if I don't move out of this, this posture, there's people that will miss out on me and mm. what I have to offer and my gifts, but I will also miss out on me and, and, mm. and, uh, the possibility of what I could be experiencing, which could be so much more. Mm -hmm. and there's Amen. just so many quotes that are just like popping up, like, <laughs> don't let the music die inside of you. But but sometimes it's like you could be in a feeling like in a stuck pattern sure. and then hear these things and then feel like shit, you know? So it's just like, be, you know, just remember to be kind and gentle t uh, with yourself no matter where you're at because you're doing right. your best. Like you're going to figure it out. You're going to have those moments where things kind of click and you're able to move forward. And you you might go, I, I need some help. You know, that's a good place to be. <laughs> Throw me a goddamn rope. Yeah. Something. Yeah. So. Anyway, so ask us or tell us your fear stories. Uh, we could do 10,000 more on fear. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it, well, yeah. it's cool just because well, the question always like looks for the answer to. So it's like, you know, this the fear question, which goes down, like it, it goes up too. So it's just kind of cool to ride that roller coaster. Yeah. Say hi. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you, Angela, Thanks for, for showing up today. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. No problem. Uh, yeah. And um, if you would like to leave a review, I think that would greatly help us. If you found this useful oh, yeah. in any way, like share, because you, know, you could help a friend. Um, yeah. And we're open to hearing from you. Um, we're going to try. I mean, it's in the works where we have, have our own little Instagram page where we can like post things um, for you all to look at as well. But yeah, please say hi we'd love to hear from you and get to know you and also know what topics or you know what you'd like to learn more about or hear more about um you know because we're here to serve as well Absolutely. have a good time doing it all right okay
Bye, everyone. Social, mo social, <laughs> so emotional. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.